It's really important that we all, as water professionals, continuously communicate the, the value of what we're doing. Most of us are really excited and passionate about what we're doing, and it's, and it's fun to tell people about that. Welcome to What Are We Talking About, a podcast produced by Water Online. Hosts Jim Laurier of Maisie Injector Company and Adam Tank of Transcend Water, a dynamic boomer millennial combo, will help you demystify how to build a better brand for your business, keep current and prospective customers engaged with your company, and ultimately grow your sales. They interview some of the most interesting and unique water professionals who have used the art of storytelling to move the needle for themselves and for their organizations. All right, another episode of What Are We Talking About? Very excited to have Sue on the on the line today. So Sue is the Municipal Wastewater Practice Leader and Senior Principal at Waterton Curran. She is an incredible human. I've gotten the chance to know you for, I'd say the last year, probably year and a half. And you have so many, we'll say, uh, angles to your personality as an engineer and as a municipal leader and all of that. So in any case, I'm really excited for this conversation and thank you for joining. Yeah. Thank you, Adam. I'm so excited to be here. And it's been so much fun getting to know you over the past year or so. Yeah, Sue, so, and, and I got to know you through Adam. And, you know, my company, Maisie Injector, uh, does a lot of work with Woodard and Current. So I know your company. I didn't know you. And then I got to know you through LinkedIn as well. So one of the things that's really interesting about you is that while you were studying for your engineering degree, you also took art history. And I guess we can start there. What did you, what do you think studying art history has done to help you in the water industry? Yeah, Jim, that, that's a great question. So yeah, I, I got into college, knew I wanted to study engineering, was really excited, you know, loved math and science, wanted to save the world from air pollution and uh, took an elective class my freshman year in art history, and then fell in love with that as well, and, and ended up double majoring in art history. And I found it so interesting that it was so different from engineering. You know, engineering classes, you're really focused on completing the problem sets, finding the right answer to the, to the equation, to the problem. Whereas in art history, you're looking at works of art and interpreting them and there's not one right answer in that case. It's really about what it means to you. And then, you know, a lot of the assignments that I had was, you know, explaining what the art meant to you or comparing two different works of art. And it really, um, and I don't think this really gelled actually until years when I was out of college, but I, I really have come to appreciate that it, there's often not one right answer to things. And there are a lot of different ways that people look at things. And so in being able to communicate your position and what you understand is really important. And being able to listen and hear what other people are saying about that work of art is really great too, because you learn things that maybe you didn't see and didn't understand. It's such a cool look on 
we'll say problem solving. So you have this problem, if you will, in front of you, obviously art, I wouldn't necessarily call a problem, although some of them are very challenging <laughs> to figure out what the meaning is. But in your case, Sue, you've, you know, you've talked to us about how at Woodard and Curran, when you're, when you're working with a municipality and there's all these stakeholders in the community, be it the elected officials, the folks running the utility, the citizens, et cetera, that they all have a different sort of look at the wastewater challenge that that community might be faced with. Talk to us about how you think about communicating with those different stakeholders as the engineer and what the messages are that you're, you're telling to people. I'll give, you, I'll give you an example of a specific project that we've worked on, but then I wanna kinda unpack that a little bit more. So the, the specific project, you know, these, these projects, these wastewater infrastructure upgrade projects are big. They're, they're big projects, they're expensive, and, and they require often um, a, a change in the rate structure, you know, an increase in the rates. And so convincing the community members as to why that is important you know, really defines whether or not that project is going to move forward and whether they're going to vote for that rate increase to support that. So unfortunately, I think we as a collective water industry have done such a great job at out of sight, out of mind and being so consistent in delivering our services that folks take it for granted and they don't see what we do. So when we do come out of the woodwork and ask for that, folks are like, wait a minute, what? You know, you want to spend $25 million upgrading the wastewater treatment plant? We have a wastewater treatment plant? <laughs> Where is that? So, you know, I think that, you know, it's part of getting a water infrastructure project successfully implemented requires more than just the technical solution. It requires a communication solution, a funding strategy. So we, that is all part of the thought process when we're approaching a project is, you know, going out into the community, meeting people where they are, like going out to the farmer's markets, for example, we were working with a community in Connecticut. Again, the, the treatment plant, was constructed in the 70s, it needed a major upgrade. And so it, that required a pretty significant rate increase. So starting to um, connect with members of the community, explaining why it was important, going to the farmer's market, going to the schools, in addition to making presentations at the, you know, at the public works meetings as to why, why this project is important. And um, in, in this case, it was it was really successful. The the, the funding passed, and that allowed the community um, to receive actually a good chunk of grant money in addition to a, a low interest loan through the SRF program to be able to move forward with their project. So, so how can we encourage uh, engineers? I mean, one of the things we always joke about is that engineers, you know, are so focused on the technical side of the business. How can we encourage them to be better storytellers, to do exactly what you said, to, to tell all the sides of the story about why it's important to value water? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. I think one, you know, when you say communications and you need a communication strategy, I think that can be intimidating to engineers, especially because again, like we went to school so focused on the technical aspects of things 
that, that it's like, wait a minute, do we have the tools to be able to communicate? And I want to say that, yes, like we all do. We're humans, like we communicate. And it's really important that we all as water professionals continuously communicate the, the value of what we're doing. Most of us are really excited and passionate about what we're doing. And it's, and it's fun to tell people about that. So I think that, that, that we need to remember that it's, there's no necessarily, you know, advanced degree that you need to get to be able to communicate. But on the other hand, I think that you have to recognize that there are people who are really good at communicating. So bringing in and expanding your project team beyond just focusing on the technical and bringing in folks who are communication specialists is really critical to a successful project. Um, at Woodard and Curran, you know, we've got a pretty integrative approach to our projects. We've got folks who are focused on the design piece, the funding piece, the communication piece, and the operations piece. And you get that diversity of thought and backgrounds and strengths and skills to be able to deliver what ultimately is a pretty complex project, but such a fundamental part of our communities. You're listening to the Water We Talking About podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. This podcast is produced by Water Online, the leading web-based community for water and wastewater professionals. Showcasing the knowledge and authority of industry thought leaders, Water Online provides actionable content from vendors you can trust. And now, back to today's podcast. Is there anything that you have learned from those other, we'll say, functions of the projects, specifically communications, that you think engineers could do as sort of low-hanging fruit? Something where you're like, if, if only we could just do this thing or these two things, it would immediately make engineers better communicators. Oh, that is a great question. I think you need to, I, I like to start with understanding the why. Like, why are we doing what we're doing and getting really clear about um, the, the benefits of what we're doing, but we won't know that until we ask the people that we're working with why they think that the project is important. So we really just need to take a beat and ask a lot of questions and listen, and then be able to take that information and distill it with the why, rather than jumping in with the, hey, let me talk to you about um, side stream uh, biological phosphorus removal. Because there are very few people that A, understand that and B, care, but, (laughs) you know, talking about, hey, let's, you know, we need a a lower cost way of, you know, removing phosphorus from our waste stream so it doesn't impact our waterways is, is, you know, getting more at the essence. So thinking and, and listening to your customer and, and really trying to speak in in terms that they understand, like leaving the engineering jargon behind. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you're very good at, uh, Sue, is to be involved in the trade associations within our industry. 
Is there a way that they can be more involved in this encouraging storytelling with uh, the younger engineers or in fact, all engineers across, you know, all the age spectrums? Jim, so just, just, a, just a quick, quick story about my background. I started my career out in California and when I moved east, which is where I've been for the past 20 years, I, I didn't have a professional network here. And so I joined the New England Water Environment Association and really started getting to know folks. And I think there's really a lot of power in being able to network with your peers. And especially as somebody coming from another part of the country and not really knowing anyone, a couple of things stood out to me is that I had, he, he's now a colleague, but you know he invited me to be on a committee. And he encouraged me actually to, to become part of this committee. And so from the beginning, um, I felt accepted and I felt like they, I felt wanted in, in that community. And I think that that's really important because earlier in my career, having gone to some of these conferences where you don't know anyone in the room and, and, I, and I've had the experience of being at a conference not knowing anyone and no one talks to you. Mm. And it's, it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. And I am, I, I, I consider myself a, a, you know, a people person. I, I'll pretty much talk to anyone. And it was just, I, that was really, really uncomfortable. And I was really, I think, so grateful for that experience that I had at Nawia of immediately feeling accepted. And I think what, what these organizations have started doing, I, I, I see this as a really positive change is that, you know, the YP programs, the young professional programs have um, either been initiated or are growing stronger. Mentoring programs are go growing stronger. And I think that that is really, really important. So I think fundamentally, it's just creating space in these associations and organizations for people who aren't part of our industry or who are new to our industry to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think once you've got that level of trust, then you can start working on some of the more advanced communication pieces. But I think, you know, really fundamentally making people feel welcome and comfortable is really a, a really important part of communication. Mm -hmm. Does you, do you, I mean, let's say I'm, I'm new to the industry, engineer or otherwise, and I'm absolutely terrified of putting <laughs> myself out there and meeting yeah. people. Would you recommend I look at YP or maybe a regional, you know, trade association or maybe something hyper local, like anything that, that comes to mind? Yeah, I, I think that those are really good suggestions, Adam. And I, and again, it really, it really depends on the person but I would say follow your interests. And if I were if I were to talk to my young self, I would have said, don't worry about saying the wrong thing mm -hmm. or you know, not having the perfect answer. You know, just be be human, be the person that you are. I think that's one of the the longer I've been in this industry, the more I really appreciate how how wonderful the people in it are. And I just with I, I would like to say to all of the, you know, the 
folks either not part of our industry but are interested in learning more about water or the folks just you know in school or coming out of school and joining please you know ask you know come to a small group meeting come to you know what's really great are the operator associations ah, and going to those meetings i mean how much fun i have met so many fantastic operators um going to the operator operator association meetings in addition to kind of the more regional meetings and then you get to like the behemoths like WefTech. You know, you don't, not everything, a lot happens at WefTech, but not everything happens at WefTech. <laughs> a lot of really great stuff happens at the local level. So getting involved. And I think that there's more of a, I, I'm seeing more associations implement mentoring programs. And again, jumping into the YP associations gives you that connection to folks who have been in the industry longer and hopefully we'll pull you in because we mm. we want we want more people yes. to be part of this industry we need more people yes. to be part of this yes. industry yeah. so yes yes so one of the things you shared with us was the importance of digitalization of our industry you want to just take a quick uh, overview of that um in in just your sense of where that's going and you know why it's so important yeah i i think that it is we're, we're at a point where we're seeing such a rapid transformation in technology, and that is really infiltrating all facets of our lives, right? Including how we operate treatment plants, how we design treatment plants. Um, so I, I think that what I would say is like any anything new, it's really important to understand why you would want to implement it. You've got to get really strong, you know, really clear on what the why is and what the benefit is, and and then you will it'll open up the doors to to what makes sense. Because I think all of the the digital we we see it everywhere, right? It was all over WebTech. It was, it's all over every conference. Everybody's talking about digital water, digital water, and it can be really overwhelming. But I think that what's really exciting is, is thinking about how can we use these new tools in doing a better job at um, treating water, you know, for delivering water for our for our communities. And I think it's a, it's a new tool. And I think we're still trying to figure out like, what are all the best applications for it? And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, excitement in, in all of the innovations that are coming. And I would say that I, I I'm hoping that it is going to help us meet some of the challenges that we face. Um, but I think that it can be really overwhelming to, to figure out where to start. And mm -hmm. I, and again, I think asking of what, what, what problem am I trying to solve? And then finding those solutions, because there's more and more out there. And it's really, it's really exciting. And I think it's worth, it's worth looking at all of the tools, the new ones and the old ones. All right, Sue, we are rapidly coming up on time. So we have one final question for you, which is our infamous airplane banner. 
question. Uh, yes. For those, yes, for those that have listened to the show, this is one that we have been doing since episode one, and all of our guests have had very different things to say. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say, Sue. So the, the premise is this: Jim and I have managed to find an airplane that has a large banner on the back of it, and you get a basically sentence worth of words. And you get to fly it in front of the home of any water professional around the world. What do you want your banner to say? Um, I love this question. And I asked my kids what <laughs> okay. they thought that I should say. And <laughs> every answer included the word poop in it. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> we have... Yeah, that that's a that's a prominent word in our household. And uh, <laughs> when I see you guys in person, I can share some good poop jokes. I won't I won't put that on the banner that we're going to fly okay. around the world, though. Okay. Um, I think I would say, you know, again, meet people where they are and listen. But then be proud to tell your version of the water story. Hmm. Fantastic. That's wow. that's great, Sue. Really good stuff. And uh, we really appreciate some really thoughtful answers uh, during the interview. So I'm sure that our audience will get some really good value out of this. Oh, thank you. I, this was a blast. I really appreciate being here. Thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you both in person sometime very soon. Absolutely. Absolutely.